Welcome to the Cinema Rat, where we celebrate the greatest and worst in Hollywood films and their most self-indulgent, narcissistic actors, directors, and producers. Here, we will laud and malign Hollywood's seedier elements with levity and humor. They love cinema as much as anyone does. They've been talking about it for over 30 years. Time to get trashy. Here's Gregory and May. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of The Cinema Rag. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to start a series called Movies That I Love, where I talk about a movie that I love, and the inaugural episode's going to be probably my favorite movie of the last 40 years, which is Good Will Hunting, the 1997 drama with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Robin Williams, and Minnie Driver. I adore this movie. I've always adored this movie. I remember seeing this movie in Alaska. I lived in Alaska. I was getting my graduate degree in the late 90s, not to date myself. And I really related to this movie, not because I thought I was some genius from South Boston, because I actually, it's strange. I'm sure most of you guys have seen this movie. But Stellan Starsgar's character, the, the, the mathematician, the field's winner, he has a teaching assistant who feels threatened by Will hunting because he's kind of like the the sidekick of Skarsgård's character and, and he feels threatened and alienated by this new guy and at the time I was a teaching assistant at the University of Alaska in history and I would teach classes when the professor was out rest in peace Dr. Cole you're a great teacher great professor and I would lead study discussions, and I would write all the tests, and I would grade all of them, and I was a teaching assistant. So when I watched this movie, I kind of re- related to that guy. But when this movie came out, I just loved it. I And I still love it. I, I love this movie so much. And, and there's for a variety of reasons. But let's do a backdrop of this. So Damon wrote this with his former girlfriend, or at least parts of it, who's shocking, his name is Skyler, just like Minnie Driver's character in the movie. And uh, he wrote it, parts of it, and then he eventually asked his boy, his buddy, Ben Affleck, to help co-write it. And eventually got picked up by Castle Rock, which is Rob Reiner's company. And they had it kind of in a, pre, in a, in a development deal. And originally the plot had a lot to do with, with these guys involved in the CAA and covert stuff. And eventually... Reiner had told them to to axe that because it was just kind of it was kind of pretty stupid, and then later, eventually, it was given over to Miramax, and this was through Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, of course, was friends with Affleck and Damon, had done a lot of movies, and he was very close to Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, the of ill repute, and eventually, Weinstein bought out Castle Rock and developed the the movie, and originally. Uh, there, there's a couple of conspiracy theories or rumors about it. So one of them was that William Goldman, who's a very famous scriptwriter and just a famous just movie critic legend, had was a ghostwriter for this. And I remember hearing that all the time, all through the last 25 years since this movie came out. Oh, there's no way that Affleck and Damon wrote this because think about it, they're in their young 20s, early 20s, and the script is amazing. It's amazing. And no, he... He swears to this day, or Goldman swears, that he never had anything to do with writing or touching up uh, the script. Maybe he, he gave some advice and so forth, but uh, Reiner asked him to read the script, but th- that's about it. The other thing is that Brad Pitt and DiCaprio were originally casted, and so 
Damon and Affleck, of course, were relatively unknown at this time. And so they were like, this movie, the script is great, but we need someone who's more visible. And you think about the time, you know, Brad Pitt, this is coming off of Seven, right, 1995. So he's legit A-list movie actor. Go to the filmography we did on, on him. And DiCaprio is... 96, 95, he's doing Basketball Diaries, Romeo and Juliet's around 96. So, I mean, well-known. And they stuck to their guns and are like, no, we are going to star in this and uh, yeah, suck it up. So eventually, when Weinstein bought out Castle Rock, he said, no, yeah, yeah you can star in it. It's totally fine. And this is peak Miramax, right? This is peak future Shakespeare in love. This is peak just how great, you know, we, we can separate Harvey Weinstein from Miramax. We can. And, that, you know, he was a horrible guy, but he did have an eye for, for talent, no doubt. And uh, it really paid off in this regard. So the movie made a lot of money. It had a very small budget. I think it was $10 million budget. It made $225 million. So, I mean, 20 times the, the return of investment. So, Let's talk about Affleck and Damon. Now, May and I are going to have an episode, a versus series, where it's going to be Matt Damon versus Ben Affleck. And I'm going to defend Matt Damon, and she's going to defend Ben Affleck. And who's had the better career? Like, in other words, whose life would you rather have in terms of career and personal life and so forth? If you if you look at 1997 when this was released, Damon probably had a more well-known uh, career. He was in School Ties, which is one of my favorites. He was in Courage Under Fire. He had done the, the John Gresham uh, movie. I think Rainmaker was the name. Affleck was pretty much doing Kevin Smith movies. And this year, Chase and Amy came out. So that was a good year. But he was in Mallrats. He wasn't as famous. But um, you know, they they were essentially unknown. So we're like, who are these guys from from Boston with this amazing screenplay? So why do I love this movie? I love this movie because the writing is just amazing. And the monologues, I just, I love the monologues. I remember seeing this movie and just thinking, this is amazing. So like when Will is in the bar, when he first meets Skylar and and Ben Affleck, of course, is hitting on her. And then the, 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 the pretentious ponytail Harvard guy comes and makes a fool out of him. And then, and then Will comes in and does the whole speech about how he's plagiarizing off of books. That's just mind-blowing, just that, that, that whole monologue. And this movie is full of monologues, like almost like soliloquies. You look at the, the conversation that Will has with Robin Williams on the bench, the famous one. You look at the monologue that, that Affleck has when he's impersonating Will when he's interviewing for the NSA. You see the monologue that, uh, that Damon has with Robin Williams couple of them in 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 Robin Williams's therapist office the most famous one being it's not your fault it's not your fault it's not your fault and just the acting is just amazing and in addition to to the script being great just the plot development the character development of 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 the major characters of course will it's amazing because in the beginning you you you're you're introduced to him. I don't think we need to review the plot of the of a 25 year old movie. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've seen Goodwill Honey. If not, I think it's on Netflix right now. So you know he's talented, but he's got a troubled past. You find out, of course, that he's been in foster homes, he's been abused in foster homes, but he's a genius, or right? he takes a janitorial job over at at, uh, at Harvard, and he has scuffles with the law, and you see how he goes from this this kind of self-loathing, fatalistic, nihilistic view of, of the world 
at the beginning where he knows he has this talent, but he just is okay with pissing it away and just hanging out with his boys and drinking the day away and just chasing chasing the skirt, so to speak. And then you see this development. Really, I mean, really, it's all enacted by the fight scene that he has. And look, Gus Van Sant directed this. There, there were talks that maybe Mel Gibson would direct it. Gus Van Sant, I think, is a, is a decent director. And I think he does a great job in this movie. The one scene, though, that I don't like that he does is is the fight scene in the uh, the tennis court or wherever it is, where he does that slow motion on the fight. I just, I, and he, he adds the, the song. I just don't, I don't really like that, how he does that scene. But, of course, that gets him in court. And then Starsgar's character figures out that he's the one that's solving all the math equations. And then he gets him out and puts him on probation. And then he takes him to all the different therapists. And Will is just you know, screwing with them. And eventually he thinks of its old, his old friend from Harvard, Robin Williams' character, and says, well, you're both townies. You're both from South Boston. And maybe you can get to him. And, of course, it, it goes from there. And then you see by the end, while concomitant with this and concurrent with this, you see the, the fledgling relationship with Skyler. And how he goes from just thinking this is just going to be a booty call, so to speak. And then he starts falling in love with her. And then by the end of the movie, because of the help of of Ben Affleck's character, his friends, and of course of, of Robin Williams, that he learns to be vulnerable and he learns to to embrace like his talents and to take take a chance on love and <laughs> to take a to, to quote almost from Abba there. And so there's this great character development with him. That is just it's it's a very beautiful, inspiring story because I think on on, on one level we all kind of a will hunting in us, and that we have this kind of fatalistic, self destructive streak, and then we have all have all these friends that are with us, and then we we get scared when challenges accompany us, and we all have demons, maybe not as bad as as Will does, but we all have demons that we all have to overcome. But ultimately, the movie has great tension. It has a great denouement, has a great resolution. You know, he drives to California. He can't tell Skyler in that great scene, tell me that you love me. And he says, I don't love you. But you know he does love her, but he can't admit it because that's vulnerability. And he's always been hurt in his life. And it destroys Skyler. But eventually, he, he has to go see about a girl. And he, he steals that line from Robin Williams. And then, in turn, Will helps Robin Williams' character learned to live again because he's pretty much been shut down since his wife died of cancer. And because of Will's influence and Will's effect that he learns to start to live again and he decides to travel. And so it's just a beautiful movie. It has just a great ending. And overall, it is a funny movie. It's a funny movie. You think about like how about them apples? You think about the the camaraderie between the four and like kudos to this cast, right? We know Affleck, but you got Cole Hauser. I remember Cole Hauser before he was in Yellowstone when he was in Higher Learning. He plays the Nazi in Higher Learning. He was in a lot of movies in in, in this period that you look back and like, oh, that's Cole Hauser. He always plays intense roles, and he's great in this. He doesn't really speak a lot. And then you got Casey Affleck, Academy Award-winning Casey Affleck, Ben's brother in this, playing like the kind of like the the, the runt. And then remember, there's this scene where he's he's masturbating upstairs, and they're getting all mad at him. It's just it's a funny movie. It's a funny movie. Now I do have some hot takes. Could Affleck have played Will Hunting? Could they have switched? I don't think they could. I don't think Affleck, and we'll talk about this, and again, I don't know if this is, is being released before the Affleck versus Damon versus series that I'm going to do with May. I just don't think Affleck has it in him to portray this. And since 
I mean, obviously I haven't talked to these guys, but since Damon wrote the script, he probably always had it in mind that he was going to play Will Hunting and, and you know, Affleck's like, you know, whatever, that's, that's fine, I'll play Chucky. But uh, I, I don't think they could flip it. I just don't think that Affleck comes off, could pull off the the math genius. I just don't think, with, with the frosted tips, I just don't think he could pull it off. I think Damon does an amazing job. And I mean, you think of peak Damon, the three years where he does this, Rounders, and Ripley. It's just like, boom, boom, boom. And, you know, since then, I just don't, I, I just think his career is not as strong as it could have been. But either way, I mean, he's, he's, this is just mind-blowing, right? It's just one of those performances that we talked about, like when um, Margot Robbie was in Wolf of Wall Street or McConaughey's in Time to Kill. You watch this, if you didn't know his work from his previous work, you're like, God, this guy's, this guy's amazing, right? And he definitely deserved the career he had. Hot takes. I don't think Affleck's good in this movie. I really don't think he's that good. I think Affleck is playing himself. Just the Boston guy. Yeah, I think he plays up the accent because clearly he doesn't have the accent that he does, that Chucky has in this in this movie. I just don't think he's that good. And he has that great scene, at the, of course, at the end of the movie where we all finally listens, when he gives us the story about how, you know, the, what, what I look forward to in a day is knocking on the door and you're not there. You, go, you got to do it for me. Yeah, do it for me. I just, I, I, I don't think he's convincing. A lot of people think he's really good in, in the movie and in that scene. I just, eh, I just don't think he's that great. No offense to Affleck because I think he's had a phenomenal career. The other hot take is Minnie Driver. I don't think she's good in this. She got this after doing Circle of Friends. That was kind of her breakout role. And I think she's, she's okay in this movie. I don't, I don't think there's anything, anything spectacular about it. Now, her and Damon were dating during this movie, and it's famous. There's a famous thing where she said she found out that they broke up when he was doing an interview for Oprah. Because I guess Oprah asked, are you single? And he's like, yeah, I'm single. And she didn't know. She, she thought they were still dating. Cold move, Matt Damon. Cold move, Matt Damon. But uh, the scene that, that they have in the bedroom, you know, the, the aforementioned scene where, where he tells her, you know, Sky, you, you want to know that I was beat and da, da 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 you know, tell me you love me, that scene. That's a great scene. She does a good job on that. But as a whole, I, I, I don't think she's that great in this, in this movie. Robin Williams is amazing. He definitely deserves the Academy Awards and I, the Academy Award for this. And I always love it when comedic actors to kind of do the dramatic turn. He did this, of course, with Dead Poets Society and some other movies. And he's just great movie. And he just brings such gravitas. And the scenes with him and Damon, whether it be on the park bench or in the office, are great. Stellan Skarsgård is great in this movie. I've always loved him. It's, I just He's one of those that guys who just show up in movies and you're like, oh, he's going to give a great performance. And the, the scenes he has with Robin Williams when they're fighting, because one of the things I like about this movie too is it, it's the class conflict. And you find it, it's very subtle, right? So like Robin Williams is, is working class, South Boston. Stellan Skarsgård is... As 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 Robin Williams' characters met, you know, it's, it was a pimply-eyed dork when they met, but he's more upper class, upper crust. And then you see like the subtle scenes, like the subtle digs about Will and about uh, Robin Williams' character being lower class. There's even that scene where Stellan Skarsgård and the TA go into the maintenance plant to find out where Will is. They try to locate Will. And there's that scene with the maintenance plant guys where they're asking him this information. That's where they find out that he's got a parole officer. And there's that just that scene. There's there's that 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 very subtle kind of classist tension in the movie, which I also love as well. But Williams is great in it. Stone Skarsgård is great in it. Matt Damon's great in it. And I just adore this movie. And I can quote it forever. I can watch it forever. The supporting roles are great. It's an uplifting story. It's just 
one of my favorite movies, and that's why I wanted to do it as the first one. Guys, I'll post a comment over at the Cinema Rag. I'll, I'll post a poll over there. Let me know if you like Goodwill Hunting. I do think that the movie could have had a better title. I will definitely say that. Goodwill Hunting. I remember when it came out, I was like, was it, does he have Goodwill? And his first name's Hunting? Goodwill. I mean, the title is, is kind of a stupid title, to be fair. But that's the only really blemish I could say, aside from Affleck and Mini Driver being a little overrated in this movie. Guys. They deserve the screenplay. They wrote it. And then they later did The Last Duel, which I think is a, is a good movie. But it's just a great movie. Either way. All right, guys, until next time, take care. God bless. Have a break. Thanks for listening to The Cinema Rag. Please post an honest review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out the episode notes to visit our website and to make a donation. Lastly, follow the rag today. Until next time.